Welcome to the community-supported Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Randy Rhodes, The Young Turks, Democracy Now!, Radio Nation, and The Sam Cedar Show. Here's what the Washington Post wrote. The abuse can continue. Senators won't authorize torture, but they won't prevent it either. The good news about the agreement reached yesterday between the Bush administration and Republican senators. You know, they're acting like Democrats uh, had nothing to say about this. And of course, the reason why the Republicans couldn't pass this is because every single solitary Democrat said no to torture, which left Republicans to figure out where they stood on this. And some of them said the Democrats are right and crossed the aisle in the name of preserving American values. But this, and, and you know what I noticed? Throughout this week, I, all the articles, they're posted on my website. Do you know what the newspapers, these liberal newspapers, were, were calling uh, uh, McCain and Warner and Lindsey Graham and Susan Collins and, and Olympia Snow and Chuck Hagel, Vietnam veteran? They were calling them dissidents. Like this was the Soviet Union. The newspapers were calling them dissidents. It was really unnerving. But anyway, let me finish this. The good news about the agreement reached yesterday between Bush, the Bush administration and Republican senators on detention, interrogation, and the trial of accused terrorists is that Congress will not, as President Bush had demanded, pass legislation that formally reinterprets U.S. compliance with Geneva Conventions, nor will the Senate explicitly endorse the administration's use of interrogation techniques that most of the world regards as cruel and inhumane, if not as outright torture. Trials of accused terrorists will be fairer. <laughs> How about fair? Will be fairer. Why would you have to cheat to convict a terrorist? Why would you have to cheat? Trials of accused terrorists will be fairer than the commission system outlawed in June by the Supreme Court. That's the good news. <laughs> the bad news is that Mr. Bush, as he made clear yesterday, intends to continue using the CIA to secretly detain and abuse certain terrorist suspects. He will do so by issuing his own interpretation of the Geneva Conventions in an executive order and by relying on questionable Justice Department opinions that authorize such practices as exposing prisoners to hypothermia and prolonged sleep deprivation. Under the compromise agreed to yesterday, it's just a compromise, it's not law yet, okay? Congress would, would recognize his authority to take these steps and prevent prisoners from appealing them to U.S. courts. So there's no oversight on the president either way you slice it. There's no legislative oversight because Congress has just rolled over and played dead. And the prisoners have no judicial oversight. It's all about the president. He can say you're an enemy combatant. He can render you to some gulag. He can torture you. He can release you after that. He can hold you for the rest of your life after that. That's the way it is in Bush world. Now, it's not law yet. Just keep that in mind, all right? 
Congress would recognize his authority to take these steps and prevent prisoners from appealing them to U.S. courts. The bill would also immunize CIA personnel from prosecution, all but for the most serious abuses, and protect those protect those who in the past violated U.S. law against war crimes. Guess who gets the protection? Guess. President Alberto Gonzalez, Donald Rumsfeld, Addington, Cheney, everybody that came up with this uh, unfair, outlawed scheme. In short, it's hard to credit the statement by Senator John McCain yesterday that there's no doubt that the integrity and letter and spirit of the Geneva Conventions has been preserved. In effect, the agreement means that the U.S. violations of international human rights law can continue as long as Mr. Bush is president with Congress's tacit assent. If they do, America's standing in the world will continue to suffer, as will the fight against terrorism. For now, the administration says it's not holding anyone in secret CIA facilities. The detention of those being held by the U.S. military at Guantanamo Bay clearly conforms with international law if suspects are routed into the CIA program in the future. The administration has pledged to consult with Congress about the interrogation techniques that will be permitted. In theory, Congress could override Mr. Bush's regulations, concern, uh, regulations governing treatment if it judges they are being used to authorize unacceptable practices. And they won't. Because here was the opportunity to make illegal unacceptable practices, and they passed. But the senators who have fought to rein in the administration's excesses, Senators McCain, Graham, and Warner, failed to break Mr. Bush's commitment to alternative methods that virtually every senior officer in the U.S. military regards as unreliable, counterproductive, and dangerous for Americans who may be captured by hostile governments. Mr. Bush wanted Congress to formally approve those practices and to declare them consistent with the Geneva Conventions. It will not, but it will not stop him either if the legislation is passed in the form agreed on yesterday, meaning it's not done. Mr. Bush will go down in history for his embrace of torture and bear responsibility for the enormous damage that it has caused. left you were talking about how george bush said you know what uh, if you don't let me torture people because i love torture 
And I love secret prisons, and I love secret courts. He doesn't love torture. He loves to have the CIA torture. There's a difference. There is a difference, because he's a coward, and, you know, he delegates things like that that are a little messy. He's the CEO president. He torture himself. He's other people torture. Right. Because he's a man of courage. Um, he says, I, I love all that stuff, so if you don't let me do that, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop all CIA inter- inter- interrogation. Sorry. And that has two aspects to it. One is infantile. Uh, it's I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't call me safe, I was safe. I was safe. I was safe. If you don't call me safe at second, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Right. No, no. It's, t- it's great. Yeah. Okay. And number two, think about that. He's willing to endanger all of our lives by not doing any interrogations, even if we catch Osama bin Laden. Right. Because they asked him. They said, if we catch a top Al-Qaeda guy now, are you saying you won't do any interrogations? And he said, look, I mean what I say. Right? So he's willing to not do any interrogations because we won't give him the privilege of torturing people. Uh, by the way, John uh, Negroponte said, yeah, that person, if we catch a top uh, Al-Qaeda lieutenant militant, uh, that person may be questioned, but not using the kind of progressive techniques. Oh, now it's progressive? These now guys, it's progressive. These Democrats guys, like to actually give them like spa treatments and massages. Look at these Orwellian guys, man. They, they are calling torture progressive. progressive. Yeah, like we're stuck in the last century because we don't want to torture people. Have you yeah, ever had it, a bikini wax? I mean, that is a great way to torture somebody. I, uh, man, I, you know, it is, it is, it's like if you, in the 1950s or in L.A. in the early 1990s, if you said, listen, enough with the, to the police, and, and, and I'm a big fan of the police, so I forgive, forgive me for indulging here, but if, uh, uh, enough with the beating of the black suspects, and the cops go, if you don't let us beat black suspects, we're not going to arrest anybody. Yeah, no, but, oh, that's Ben exactly Manquist, that's a brilliant analogy. No, that's exactly right. They're like, well, I mean, <laughs> how are we supposed to do any kind of police work if you don't let us beat the crap out of these people, yeah. right? They had it coming. I mean, they're barbarians, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. And so, you know what? All right, that's it. We're not doing any police work. It's such a, it's so preposterous. It's so childish. And, of course, it's Negroponte. They're not going to do it. It's ridiculous. And I would like for someone to explain to us. What it is that we're doing if it's not torture? Yeah. Why? What is? It, what do you want the CIA to do? And what course, is the tougher interrogation tactic? I listened to Tony Snow's whole press briefing on this, and it was maddening because they keep saying, "No, we're looking for definition because we don't. We want to protect the people doing the jobs." So the president said, "We the want young clarity. And, and clarity. We want clarity. We want clarity." And everyone else is saying, "Hey, for fifty uh, 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 nine years now, we've had uh, 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 Comet Article Three of the uh, of the Geneva Conventions. It's clear." Here's the deal. It's crystal clear. You can't torture anybody. Uh, no one can torture anybody. Not the CIA. Not anybody. Uh, uh, but that, of course, that point uh, largely lost. Uh, a couple because of Tony Snow responded afterwards. Uh, uh, let me read you uh, something from uh, Lindsey Graham. If it seemed that our country was trying to redefine the Geneva Convention to meet the needs of the CIA... Why can't every other country redefine the Geneva Convention to meet the needs of their secret police? Because keep in mind, our CIA, seen by the rest of the world, is our secret police, which is, of course, what they are. It would be a disaster, says Lindsey Graham. If an American agent were captured in Iran, tried on secret evidence, and sentenced to die, Mr. Graham said, Americans would go crazy. And, of course, he's completely correct. Remember this. First of all, that's a great point by Senator Graham. Uh, one, he'll back away from instantly, <laughs> you know, in a couple of days when he'll say, oh, we compromised with the president. We gave him everything he wanted. Um, but uh, remember this. Remember when in the first Persian Gulf War, uh, Saddam captured some American soldiers and he put them on TV and we lost it. 
We were like, how could you do that? That is so degrading and humiliating. It is against the Geneva Convention. You put him on TV. You put him on TV. <laughs> and you made him say that, you know, that Saddam was treating them okay. And we lost it because we were so inhumane. I mean, rem- now doesn't that seem like a joke compared to what we've done? And did oh my God, Air America host says what we've done is worse than what Saddam did. But wait a minute, in that instance, in that instance, mm-hmm. what we went ballistic over was Saddam Hussein put American soldiers on TV. Well, we're not putting Iraqis on TV. In fact, we're put, not putting them anywhere near camera. What we're doing is we're putting them in secret prisons. We admit it. Bush just came out and said, yeah, we're running secret prisons. We were running secret prisons throughout the world, and we've now taken those suspects. We brought them to Guantanamo Bay, but I reserve the right to keep running those secret prisons. And what I've done in those secret prisons is, and again, we've admitted this, things including waterboarding. Well, you know what waterboarding is? It's a fake drowning. But by fake, we don't mean they sprinkle water on his face. We mean they dip his head in water and pretend to drown him until he's at the point of drowning, and then they take him out. (laughs) <laughs> now, imagine if they had, if Saddam Hussein had done that to American soldiers, you know what we'd have done? No, we'd, we'd have respected him for his aggressive questioning. Right. <laughs> oh, for, he no, was no, just no, trying no. to get information. No, Ben, for his progressive questioning. <laughs> for his progressive questioning. No, Saddam know, Hussein was just being progressive. You know what we'd have done? We'd have said, oh, yeah. This man is a torturer. He runs torture rooms. Let's invade Iraq. No, and I'm going to regret saying this probably, but I mean, it, it can only lead you to believe that the state of these guys are far worse than the state of how our, our prisoners were in Iraq at that time. I mean, yeah. the fact that well, and of course that's they, a, nobody yeah. can see them, nobody knows where they are, nobody can talk to them. I mean, you can you can only assume like what 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 we're doing to these guys. Uh, By I, the way, I, Democrats I, standing up uh, uh, in this case, about uh, twenty Democrats who even if the the McCain version passes, who are saying, hey, look, we need to pass a bill that lets these guys see the evidence against them, among other things. Uh, we, we need to, I need to clarify something here, okay? God damn it, we're supposed to be better than that, right? We're supposed to be the United States of America. I remember growing up, uh, there was a girl, American girl, who was, uh, did something illegal in Peru, and, they, and a secret court convicted her. Yeah. Right? And we went crazy. Oh, secret courts! These barbarians down in Latin America! These third world clowns! These thugs, we called them. Now what are we doing? We're bragging about having secret courts and secret trials and, and, and torturing people. It's nuts. You know what these people are? They are un-American. George Bush, Dick Cheney, and all these Republicans are in favor of it. That is exactly against all American principles. Did you write the book of love and do you have faith in God above? If the Bible tells you so. Newsweek magazine reports the administration wants to maintain at least seven existing CIA interrogation methods for use against high-level detainees. The techniques include induced hypothermia, long periods of forced standing, sleep deprivation, and so-called attention slapping. The administration is facing resistance from three key Republican senators on the Armed Services Committee, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and John Warner. The three senators helped pass a measure last week affirming common Article 3 of the Geneva Conventions, which prohibits inhumane treatment. 
to talk about this debate over interrogation tactics. Michael Ratner, president of the Center for Constitutional Rights, joins us in our studio in New York. Welcome, Michael, to Democracy Now! Welcome, Amy. It's good to have you with us. Talk about this debate that's going on within the Republican Party. Well, you know, what's extraordinary about everything that's going on now in Washington, you know, you just covered the Maharar case, and sadly, none of it, none of it would really stop what happened to Maharar, which is the taking of someone, uh, outsourcing torture to another country, sending him to a place where he could be tortured. So I want to just start that this is an important debate in Washington, uh, but it's not going to stop the tragic cases like Maharar, of which I think there's many, many cases. Uh, I just want to make that clear. The debate is really in Washington on three issues. <coughs> One of them has not been covered at all. The first issue is what kind of interrogation techniques can be used. Uh, can torture be used? Can you violate common Article 3? Can you use those techniques you spoke about, including, I think, waterboarding, which is the mock drowning of somebody? And on those issues, uh, McCain, uh, Warner, and Graham have taken a position that they don't want those used. And so we're at loggerheads between two factions uh, of the Republicans right now. I don't know how it will come out. I certainly hope that McCain, Warner, and, uh, McCain and Warner uh, stick and Graham to, to their position on that. But there's two other issues going on, one of which has not been covered at all. Uh, one is, of course, the military commissions. And again, the McCain bill, which is not the administration bill, is better on that as well. It doesn't allow you to use evidence uh, from torture. It makes sure the, uh, the defendant in a military commission is present at trial and gives a person more rights at a military commission. But the third issue, which has not been covered, uh, is to me very critical and is in both of the pieces of legislation, in both the administration bill and in the McCain-Graham uh, bill, uh, McCain-Graham-Warner bill, you, in both cases you abolish the writ of habeas corpus. The government, the Congress, is, is abolishing the writ of habeas corpus. The habeas corpus writ is the right to challenge your detention uh, once you're picked up by the United States. It would apply to Guantanamo, it would apply to everybody in Bagram, and it basically says that anybody picked up uh, now or in the future, or is there now, no longer has the writ of habeas corpus. For some reason, for some peculiar reason, nobody is really covering this in the media. Yes, they're covering the McCain debate over waterboarding and torture and, and somewhat on the military commissions, but not really the denial of the abolishment of the fundamental writ. If we look at Maharar, his is, the, is one of the cases. I mean, there may be Maharars, there are, as I know, in places like Guantanamo and other places in the world, and without an ability to bring those cases to court, the United States can continue, or the administration can continue, doing what it did to Maharar. Now, again, maybe part of the reason uh, we don't hear much about this is a lack of understanding of writ of habeas corpus. I mean, it's not even in English. Explain, Michael. Well, you know, it actually comes initially out of the Magna Carta in 1215. And it had to do with when the king just believed he could pick up people anywhere in the world, throw them into a dungeon, never give them a court hearing, and you never hear from them again, essentially disappear them. Out of a long struggle uh, for people's rights, uh, the writ of habeas corpus emerged. Uh, it, then when it, we, made our when we uh, wrote our constitution in the United States, it was considered the fundamental right essentially against a police state and can only be suspended uh, in cases of rebellion uh, or things like that. And what it really says is that if the king or the president picks me up anywhere in the world, uh, that I have a right to go into court and say, what are your reasons for detaining me? 
It doesn't say you have to be freed, but it says you have to come up, government, come up with a legal reason for detaining me. In other words, it takes detentions, disappearances, and puts them into the light of a courtroom where the government has to justify the detention. That's the fundamental right uh, that we at the Center for Constitutional Rights won uh, for those people at Guantanamo, and which this Congress and this president have continuously tried to beat back. We won it in, ninth, in 2004. Uh, we got the... We got a, legislation that Congress had passed to try and get rid of it. We won that again in 2006, and now they're trying to get rid of, a, get rid of, rid of it again. It's really, I mean, the fundamental right uh, that protects us against just arbitrary arrest and disappearance. Uh, it's, it's absolutely crucial, and so far, unfortunately, I just want to emphasize this, neither the administration, both the administration bill and the McCain bill abolish the writ of habeas corpus. And if there should be a massive, massive public campaign about that, people can go to the center's website uh, and get uh, information about that and get to their centers and say, don't abolish the writ. This is the protection that will protect the Maharars in the world, that protect our Guantanamo de detainees, and protect people who are really disappeared all over the world. Mm. No Democrats have stood up to defend habeas corpus? Oh, no, there are some. There, it's, it's happening. I mean, there, it's just not in, in the public dialogue or discourse right now. But certainly within the Senate, uh, there are Democrats who are extremely, extremely concerned uh, by the abolishment of the writ of habeas corpus. Uh, the problem is right now, of course, in an election year, uh, Democrats feel they don't want to necessarily oppose the administration on that issue. Uh, they're happy to see the Republicans and the Democrats fight about uh, you know, the use of torture, and they're not really raising this issue. But, but let me just say, abolishment of the writ, um, those who abolish it will really go down as in, in infamy as, as really taking away the fundamental constitutional right, a right that goes back uh, to 1215. I still believe that we have a chance of sustaining and allowing that writ to continue. Um, but we are at an extremely serious juncture. This administration does not want courts examining what it does to people like Mahar Arar or our clients at Guantanamo or what it's doing around the world uh, to detainees. And that's why it wants to get rid of the writ. And it's really a legal and political and moral outrage. You know, I couldn't, in, in your story on Mahar Arar, big tears, I have to tell you, just rolled down my eyes for him and what we did to this human being. And sadly, sadly, that's only one of the cases there are scores, if not hundreds, of cases uh, right now uh, where people who are innocent or people who have not made any kind of attacks against the United States but were picked up on flimsy evidence like Arar was uh, are in detention and are unable to get any hearings in federal court. Uh, it's, it's really uh, an outrage, and that Congress would now give this authority to me, um, uh, to, would give this authority, would take this authority for habeas away. Um, is, is just a remarkable, it's breathtaking uh, when you think about it. Michael Ratner, I asked Maria LaHood about this, your colleague at the Center for Constitutional Rights, but now that this Canadian report has come out, there has to be such an incredible embarrassment um, to both the Canadian government but also the U.S. The only thing the U.S. government has protecting it now is that the U.S. press hardly picks up on this, right? Maher Arar was the Time Newsmaker of the Year in Canada. That was Canadian time. His name is hardly known in this country. But the judge throughout the case here, can you reinstate it? Well, we were going on appeal on this case, so I would hope that the Court of Appeals sees through what this judge did. I mean, Maria's point that 
essentially yeah, to argue now that somehow this is going to hurt our relations with Canada is absurd. Canada has said exactly what happened. Uh, there's no, there was never really a, a threat there. It was an excuse to get rid of this case. But I, I would imagine uh, that the circuit is going to reinstate this case. This, this really is, is the case that brings to the fore and to the foreground um, the illegality, the harm, and the torture uh, that is caused by our detention policies. You know, one of the things about the Maharar case when it came into the lower court, the district court, uh, the judge, in part of his opinion, actually wrote that it may be okay or not unconstitutional to torture in the name of terrorism. Uh, this, to me, is how far... Um, how far this country has gone, uh, that people, even federal judges, are willing to say that. We are so far, so far away from what I consider to be a civilized norms of a society right now um, that Maharar's case, I really, stands uh, for just the, the, the real terror uh, that this country is now imposing, sadly, uh, on people all over the world in detention. Um, is it just the Republican debate that has opened up this discussion in the press around the issue of torture? Well, no, it's not just the Republican debate. Um, it's certainly been helpful uh, because, you know, despite the fact that we've all been saying, everybody knows from the Rumsfeld techniques at Guantanamo to everything we've brought out uh, to many reports uh, that torture is, you know, the coin of the realm right now in this country, uh, that sadly the, the Democrats... Uh, and the press have been unwilling to take it on and label it was it what it is and really nail the people from Rumsfeld and others who've approved it. And so only now that the, the Democrat that the Republicans are standing up a few of them a little bit. Are we getting some courage in the press and some in the Democrats to stand up and say, hey, guys, you know, we're torturing people. We've been doing it for five years. Maybe we shouldn't. Uh, but let me say, I have been appalled that for five years I'm living in a country uh, that is openly torturing people and essentially proud of it. Um, and despite that, uh, there has been basically pipsqueaks out of the press and out of Congress. You don't see them uh, saying, stop this, Michael stop Ratner. this, stop this. Michael Ratner, we just have 10 seconds, but whatever comes out with a bill out of the Senate, out of the Congress, couldn't President Bush just sign a signing statement, as he's done more than 800 times, and not abide by whatever it was that was passed? He could certainly do a signing statement, like he said, and say, I'm not going to enforce this bill. I'm still going to torture people. It would be unconstitutional. It would be illegal. It would be essentially a war crime to do it, in my view. Uh, but the way this president has gone, um, my belief is that he has committed war crimes. President, former Secretary of State Colin Powell says the world is beginning to doubt the moral basis of our fight against terrorism. If a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and former Secretary of State feels this way, don't you think that Americans and the rest of the world are beginning to wonder whether you're following a flawed strategy? If there's any comparison between the compassion and decency of the American people and the terrorist tactics of extremists, 
It's flawed, flawed logic. It's just, it's just uh, it simply can't accept that. It's unacceptable to think that there's any kind of comparison between the behavior of the United States of America and the action of Islamic extremists who kill innocent women and children in an understand, to, to achieve an objective. Tell that to the hundreds of thousands of bereaved and mourning in Iraq and Afghanistan, why don't you? Well, if you were to listen to Bush at his uh, press conference yesterday, you heard a pretty head-up kind of guy. You heard someone who was screaming at reporters at one point, acting really angry. Well, you know what I think was really going on? I think he was acting really angry. Methinks he doth protest too much. And the president, it seems to me, with his performance in the Rose Garden, was giving the GOP on Capitol Hill exactly what they want, which is the performance, which is the theater of an angry president who isn't getting everything he wants from Congress, when the reality of this Congress is they have given this president everything he wants. They have rolled and caved and given in on every critical piece of this president's agenda, whether it's international policy, the war on the world, with us or against us, or whether it's domestic policy, I am the decider, I am the commander-in-chief, not just of the military, the army and navy, but also of the nation. And again this week, sure, there are some differences. The Senate bill doesn't give the White House absolutely everything they want around the interpretation of the Geneva Convention, and so on and so forth. But take a look at what they did give. White House gains concessions in the Senate on tribunals. For the first time in the Senate bill, there is language supporting this whole idea that detainee abuse can be prosecuted only if, in effect, it shocks the conscience. What does that mean? Instead of a standard for conduct, the bill's language would leave room for judges to kind of decide, to, to weigh the urgency of the information extracted from the detainees during the interrogation. So you can feel free to torture and, and, and abuse, and then you can decide whether it was abuse afterwards on the basis of how urgent the information is that you've extracted. And we know that information is likely to be bunk. It's kind of like witch trials. Well, if they float, they're witches and we'll have to kill them. And if they sink, well, they won't witches after all. Human rights groups should be screaming about this stuff, and some of them are. The Center for Constitutional Rights has been the clearest. If either the House or the Senate or the President's bill passes in their current form... Detainees now held by the U.S. government outside this country will not be able to challenge their detentions, not now, not ever, forever. The so-called revised Senate bill, the one that differs so much from the White House because it's applying checks and balances, bars detainees held by the United States from bringing legal action against the government to challenge the legality of their detention or treatment. It would bar the collection of damages by detainees for violations of Geneva Conventions. Those are critical giveaways to the White House. They're debating now about the uh, use of secret evidence in military tribunals. And 
debate they should. Our Constitution is clearly against anyone being convicted with evidence they're not allowed to see. But let's keep our eyes on the prize here, people. And this is no time to let the congressional Republicans off the hook. This is no time for headlines talking about heroic GOP veteran leaders. This is a time for all of those Democrats and Republicans who have gone along with this concession to the White House to suspend habeas corpus in these cases, which is what these bills amount to regardless of the dispute about secret evidence, regardless of the dispute around the Geneva Convention. They're okaying the suspension of habeas corpus for detainees uh, held by the United States, particularly those outside of the United States. This whole debate about military commissions and what they're going to do and what they're not going to do is window dressing on a giveaway of our rights that would have led to a situation where we would never have had Supreme Court justices seeing even what they've seen of U.S. practices at Guantanamo and elsewhere. Keep your eyes on the prize, people. When you see a president this angry at the GOP on Capitol Hill, it's because he wants you to see a president this angry with the GOP on Capitol Hill. This is election season, people. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday. A regular crowd shuffles in. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin. Now, having said that, real quick, here's also, he says about the Clinton presidency, brilliant. I think he did a good job as president. Uh, He said, O'Reilly said he had a lot of respect for another presidential hopeful, John McCain. He says, quote, I like McCain. You know, he's a feisty guy. He's my kind of guy, a no-spin guy. And then, of course, right after he says that, they do this yesterday on the no-spin zone, the the O'Reilly factor. With the former uh, New York Senator Al D'Amato. I'm saying to you... Senator McCain, the North Vietnamese were signatories to the Geneva Convention, okay? They broke your leg. They brutalized you and all of the other POWs at the Hanoi Hilton. They didn't give a fig about the Geneva Convention. So how can you possibly put up an ideal that if we bend over backwards for terrorists, not soldiers, terrorists, that we're going to get anything back? It doesn't make any sense. I'll give you the last word, Senator. Well, Bill, I I give John McCain a pass on this only because I think he was so traumatized by the events that took place that he doesn't even really want to or or is in a position to consider uh, the impact of, of what his restrictions would do. And they are not going to make us look any morally better or have our, no, our, 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 our troops or our citizens treated any better. The American haters are still going to hate us. So uh, the argument there, the loathsome argument there is, that McCain, you can't really trust what he says. He's been tortured. So, you know, his mind is a little wishy-washy. Yeah, and O'Reilly and, doesn't do anything to stop uh, D'Amato from saying that. Are you kidding me? He totally encourages it. You know, and, and by the way, they, this is not the first time they've done this trick to McCain. 
in mm-hmm. when, in 2000 when he was running against Bush. The Rove put out the theory out there in South Carolina, particularly, where he said, "Well, you know what? You know, maybe he might have lost his mind when he got tortured." Yeah. In oh, Vietnam. of course, it wasn't right. He's a might be a war hero, but you got to watch out for him because he might be crazy. You know, yeah. though, I, you expect that from those people. What disappoints me over and over is that John McCain still buddies up with these guys after all the stuff they've put him through. Yeah, well, he really Why, why he continues you know why? to support them. Because, he, you know, they tortured him. He might have lost his mind. <laughs> it's true. He might have lost his mind. <laughs> he might be, you know, and here's the thing about our... It's not that because we don't uh, uh, change the, our interpretation of the Geneva Conventions that will keep... Uh, fundamentalist uh, religious nuts in the Middle East from torturing or cutting off the heads of Americans. That will continue. I got news for you. The point is that we have the moral high ground to say that we do things right so that, and this is important, Bill, so that when we say to the rest of the world, we need your help Mm -hmm. in fighting these people and making the world safer for your citizens and our citizens, they will side with us and won't say, well, I don't know. They're all crazy. These guys are breaking the Geneva Convention. The terrorists are breaking the Geneva Conventions. The United St- what, what moral? Why should we pay attention to what the United States is doing when they play by their own rules? Ben, I want to add a couple of things to that. First of all, I know whenever we talk about this, the conservatives call in, write in, etc., and they start screaming, they cut people's heads off! They cut people's heads off! Okay, okay, great. You win. Yeah, but uh, these are also the same people that believe in an eye for an eye. I mean, total biblical law. So it, it makes perfect sense if they believe that we should do the same things to their shoulders. No, no, they don't. They're saying we shouldn't cut their heads off. We're a little bit better than that. So the, their slogan, the conservative and Republican slogan on this is, Republicans, slightly better than Al-Qaeda. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, I mean, they cut their heads off. We're just looking to torture them. Right. We're slightly better than Al-Qaeda. I think you should run on that. I think that should be your slogan in 06. <laughs> Republicans, slightly better than al-Qaeda. Yeah. Now, s- second of all, you know, O'Reilly says there, oh, the North Vietnamese, they signed the Geneva Conventions, but they didn't even follow them. Yeah, at times they didn't follow them, I but at it, times yeah. they did follow them, and we fought many, many people, the North Koreans, the Germans, the Japanese, etc., etc., and a lot of them did follow the Geneva Conventions. So you could find uh, a couple of instances where they didn't. But in 90% of the cases, people did follow the Geneva Conventions. Now, if we had all agreed, you know what, we can just go ahead and torture each other, they, you know what would have happened? In yeah. 100% of the cases, mm-hmm. they would have tortured us. Now, th- the third part of that is, when our soldiers get captured now, we are going to write in law, if Bush wins, Bill Frist and, his support, and Duncan Hunter and all those guys, the supporters, the yes-men in Congress, if they win on this torture issue... We are going to be saying to the world, we find it acceptable to do cruel and degrading treatment. Now, put aside whether you consider it torture or not, which I think it clearly is. But even if you don't agree with that, the, we had a Newsweek reporter that told us what the CIA is looking to do on the show yesterday. Mark Hosenbaugh was on the show. They have the story. You can read it for yourself, okay? We are saying that it is acceptable to nearly drown people. To, uh, and when we say people... Uh, we're going to do it to our detainees, and we think it's okay for you to do it to our de- to your detainees. So when you capture us, we find this acceptable interrogation tactics. I'm sorry. You can stri- hold on. You can strip down uh, our soldiers. You can make it, put them, get them naked, put them in a nearly freezing room, pretend to drown them with actual water so they feel like they're drowning, and slap them around a little bit. Now, do you really? Is O'Reilly? Are you guys listening? Is anybody really comfortable with people doing that to U.S. soldiers? Are we comfortable saying? We find that to be acceptable interrogation tactics. I'm not, but apparently the Republicans are. But I think their argument is that 
they already do things like that and worse. So we need to, you know, fight fire with fire. I mean, which is a which is a totally flawed argument. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, their response to you would be like, well, they do worse. You know, they as you said, they slit their throats. Mm-hmm. You know, how how can you top that? But I mean, and I'll go out on a limb here, and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. But I mean, if you had the option of, you know, because many of these these detainees that we've had. They've died from the torture that we've we've done to them, correct? Yes, 98 of them have died in U.S. custody. 34 at least have already been ruled homicides. Some we threw off a bridge. Some we literally beat to death. I'm not sure what's more cruel, but if you had your choice of being tortured for a week and a half and then and then you, you die from you know the extreme pain and, and and stress that you've been under, or you get your throat slit, I'm, I, I don't know. What do you think is more cruel? But it's a. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and you will get in trouble for that. But uh, but it's not. We can't get into that argument. That's not. We don't do that in this country. And but it doesn't now get, we do. And yeah. it doesn't. Well, I'm talking about the idea, the traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist, Bill <laughs> O'Reilly. And and it's it, it goes to it precisely. I think the large part what you were saying, Jake. It is also the symbol of whether we do it or not. It is saying. Look at this. We don't care about this. We don't care about the Geneva Conventions. We don't care how you treat your prisoners, whether they're American prisoners or British prisoners or French prisoners or terrorists from from uh, the Irish Republican Army or terrorists, Basque separatists in Spain or Middle Eastern fundamentalist terrorists. We don't care at all. You, As you said, you can do whatever you want. It is saying to the world very publicly that we don't stand on a principle mm-hmm. of treating people right. When they are out of the battlefield and the guns have been taken and they pose absolutely no threat to American soldiers no, I have or, to, or airmen or Marines. I have to address this preposterous point made by conservatives and that Jill just came back with and said, hey, look, at they cut people's heads off. When we say there are no rules because you cut people's heads off, that gives them permission to take away all the rules and cut every soldier's head off. Are you willing to sign on to that to say, yes, well, we assume that any of our soldiers who are captured will have their heads cut off? That's a terrible thing to assume. That's a terrible thing to agree to. And it is a myth that that's what happens every time. We fought Saddam Hussein in 1991. When we did, when he captured our soldiers, he didn't torture all of them. He didn't cut all their heads off. He didn't do all these things. He did some torture. He beat some of them. He did all these things, but he... All the, all the rules weren't off. Now, if we go with this philosophy, now every time the Iraqis capture someone, if they are not, a, if they're on the opposite side of us, if we go to a war with Iran, every time somebody can, the Iranians capture Hezbollah, they can all say, "All right, well, there's no rules." The U.S. agreed to it. This is our interpretation of the exactly. Geneva Conventions. Exactly. I mean, we've gone on for now. You know, we demonize these organizations, and you know, I, Bush basically demonizes the Middle East for the, the actions they take against their own people and our own soldiers. We're supposed to be an example for the rest of the world of what separates us from them. And at this point, we're just taking their lead. Yeah. It's not just being an example for the rest of the world. It is the ability to work with the rest of the world to help protect us. Absolutely. Pakistan and England solved that, uh, solved, uh, the, that, that uh, depends on how imminent it was, but the threat against airliners coming into the United States. We have to have the rest of the world with us. If we give up completely our moral high ground, what reason is the rest of the world going to have to work with us? And these jokers claim to be for the troops, supporting the troops. Oh, yeah. Why is they don't give a damn about the troops. They're willing to completely endanger their lives. Why? For their own cheap political reasons. Every uh, Marine officer, every Air Force officer, every Army officer, you want to tell me where do they stand on this issue? They stand with reasonable people like the Democrats and like John McCain and saying, no, we follow the Geneva Conventions. We don't change it.
Well, let's take another call. Paul in Long Island, New York, line one. How are you, Paul? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Um, you brought up the part about Judeo-Christian values. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. By waterboarding a guy like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, you save 3,000 innocent lives in the next building. And I don't have to explain to my kids why uh, their, their little buddy in school doesn't have a daddy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that worthwhile? Well, how do you know that you're going to save 3,000 people? How well, do I know? How do I know, Paul, that if I torture you, I won't save 3,000 people? Well, because I haven't been involved in the plot to knock down a building. So, uh... Oh, really? How do we know that? I mean, how do we know before we torture you whether or not that's the case? Are, are you are you stupid, or you can't figure out that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's been involved in the plot to knock down a building? No, I that... understand that, but we tortured him, and did we save those 3,000 people? Well, we didn't have them. Now we have them in our possession, and apparently, according to some investigative reports... Oh, really? Which reports? On Los Angeles. Which reports? Are, are you so stupid that you can't figure out... Paul, which... why do you have to say... Uh, why do you have to ask me if I'm stupid? Do you really believe I'm that... stupid? I mean, you're calling me in to justify of... torture on Judeo-Christian values, Paul. Do you know what day it is today, Paul? Do you know what day it is between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? You just asked Do you know, Paul, what day it is today? Oh, These are the days of awe in my I religion, Paul. Right. These are the days of awe in my religion. On Monday, I will fast to celebrate Yom Kippur. Now, I don't talk about my practice of religion, unlike uh, the Republicans and conservatives who like to justify their assault on our government and our American values in the name of their bastardized religions. But these are the days of awe. These are the days where we repent in my religion for our sins. And there is nothing, there is nothing in any Judeo-Christian value system that says it's okay to torture. And we prosecuted people, we prosecuted people for waterboarding, sir. And you want to tell me that our American values that we had in 1945 are now quaint? What won't you do to justify your brutality? What won't you do to justify your... We know every expert out there, every single expert. I got an entire stack of of testimony that torture doesn't even work. But you call in to justify after the fact that we could... What if we're saving 3,000 lives? Well, you can't possibly know you're going to save any lives before you engage in torture. And how many lives are you willing to subject to torture? Because we have decided, we, this country that's supposed to be the beacon of morality and freedom and liberty and rule of law in the world, have decided to sell those values down the road. I'm perfectly aware of what happened on 9-11, sir. I'm perfectly aware of the 3,000 people that were killed. And I'm perfectly aware of the tens of thousands of innocent lives that have died in Iraq because of uh, this war. I'm perfectly aware of the 3,000 soldiers that have died in our name to protect what American values? What are we doing here at home? They're out there putting their lives on the line. They're out there uh, separating themselves from their family. There are children losing their fathers and mothers in Iraq to defend our liberty, our American values. And what are you doing? You're sitting in your, uh, your, your, your chair in Long Island 
espousing that we can sell these American values down the road because it's convenient for you. Because you are so cowardly, sir, that you don't even have the conviction to stand up for your own American values. So don't call me stupid. I may be stupid. But it doesn't take a genius to see how conservatives have warped and used religion and used their own cowardice and it tried to run from that by saying it's okay to torture it's okay to spy it's okay to continue to wage a war that is actually making us less safe as long as I don't have to fight it as long as it's brown people who are being subjected to these things well before too long that color of brown may just get progressively lighter and lighter. Thanks for listening, everybody. So I just want to let you know right off the bat that things are going well at the show. Um, as many of you are aware, the there was uh, an extended hiatus period that we went through. There's been a big change in how the show is made. Um, so there have been you know, bumps in the road, and there are definitely bumps in the road ahead. But things are going well, and so I just want to let you know that. You know, if you're if you're nervous about it going away or or this whole plan not working, I think you know, st- stop worrying. Things are looking good. So I absolutely encourage you to get involved. Um, you can go to either bestoftheleftpodcast.com to find information. Uh, just look for the signs, Best of the Left Community, there's information up there. Or you can go to botlcommunity.com, and that it just takes you right to the message board where where all the, all the action is taking place. You know, welcome messages, conversations, uh, and, and all the ways that you can help that are there. And it's absolutely imperative that, that I get help. I mean, th- there are some great people there doing some great work already but we're always happy to see new people showing up so uh, so if you want to get involved you can do that uh, in the meantime it's a new month um, being September October man October already um, maybe September seemed like a long month but at the same time it's I'm surprised it's already October anyways it's a new month and it's been many, many months since I made a big deal about this, and occasionally I pretend like I'm going to make a big deal about it and then don't, but this time I really think I will. Um, after the hiatus, we lost, the, the whole show lost momentum. You know, a couple of listeners dropped off maybe, uh, you know, people thought it was going away, so it just kind of, there was a little bit of a drooping effect to the whole the energy of the show, you know, it was, it was going very well, and I'd like to get that back. So now that now that we're back, things are going well. I'm excited. I hope you're all excited. Um, I, I would, as much as I already ask for your help, I'm asking for more and different help. Um, 
Podcast Alley is possibly, well, it used to be number one. I'm going to say it's probably the number two most influential site on, you know, getting the proper rankings of shows and, um, you know, getting, getting extra exposure for the shows. So, and number one, of course, is iTunes. So what I would like is if you have, I mean, it takes zero skill and almost zero time, but if you go to, uh, well, I'll go ahead, I'll put a big link actually on the website, bestofleftpodcast.com, there'll be a big link to, uh, to vote at iTunes, uh, excuse me, to vote at Podcast Alley, or you can just go to podcastalley.com, search for Best of the Left Podcast, and vote for the show. It's the number one active thing that you can do to really to really help out the show. Um, it it doesn't take much. Believe me, this is not like voting for president, where you think that if you vote, you're, it barely counts at all, and you're just uh, the tiniest blip on on the radar, or you're not on the radar at all. This is, I mean, like every vote seriously counts. I mean, the numbers we're dealing with are so small that uh, that every vote makes a huge difference in the rankings, and the rankings make a huge difference on the kind of exposure each show gets. So, um, so I really encourage you to do that. I would, it really helps the show, really get some more exposure, um, you know, get some more people involved. If you think that this is a good show, a good service, you know, valuable tool or entertaining or whatever the hell you think about it, if you like it and you want other people to hear it, that's the best thing you can do. Um, you know, tell all your friends about it, of course, but voting at Podcast Alley is imperative. And so I'm actually going to push that this, this month and, and we're going to try to do well. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I have more stories to tell. I went on a, a week-long vacation, uh, went a trip to Nashville, flew to L.A., Podcast Expo, drove home, Sacramento, by the way. Um, there's been a, a firestorm of controversy online that I've been only the most moderately involved in, but it's a uh, it's a hot topic that I want all of your opinions on because uh, if I have never been so sure that I could get a reaction out of people than by telling the story that I will be telling. But all of that, all those uh, topics, issues, questions, etc., will be waiting until the next show or the following one or the following one or so on and so on. So, uh, until then, have a good one, everybody. Thought pines now black and white. You took apart a picture that wasn't right.